I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Good morning. Wow, wasn't worship good this morning? I appreciated that breakthrough. Sometimes we just need to get into breakthrough. Amen. All right, so I'm feeling a little bit relaxed this morning. I've got my, uh, my relaxed wear on. And I thought, man, it's Sunday. Can I do that? Can I do that? Right. You know, one thing I love about Gen Z, they're taking like relaxed clothes to the next level. Listen, they just want to be comfortable. And as a Gen Xer, I'm like, man, that is genius. I wish we would have figured that out, right? Like they, I mean, we can go, listen, when I started preaching like 30 years ago, you had to show up in a suit and a tie. Then we lost the tie. You know, we kind of worked our way a certain direction. Then you could wear a, you know, without the tie and all that kind of stuff. But I'm so thankful for Gen Z because I get to wear this in church. This is fantastic this morning. It's loose. You know, my daughter, she's Gen Z, my youngest daughter. And, you know, like, they like to go to Goodwill and shop. Like, we wouldn't be caught dead in Goodwill in the 80s. Like, no way, man. We're not going there. But, uh, <clears throat> but they like to go. And she had these pants. And I was like, where's my daughter? They're so big. I don't know where, where she is. I can't see her anymore. All in the name of comfort. But, all right. So get, get in on that. Get in. It's time to leave your skinny jeans. <laughs> Some of you should have never worn those to begin with. Like the, the, the style, it just wasn't worth it, guys. It really was. Was it ever worth it on anyone? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe if you, well, I better stop before we get too distracted here. All right. Um, all right, so this morning, I'm excited to dive into the book of Colossians uh, I love what I'm going to share on this morning because I just don't think you can share on anything better. I can't think of a better thing to share on than Jesus surpasses all this morning. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the Colossians at Colossae. You can say that Colossae or Colossae. There's actually two ways you can say it. Um, I don't really know which one they spoke back then in biblical Greek, but if you look it up, you can, you can say it either way. So I'm going to say Colossae this morning. The book was written in 60 to 62 AD uh, by the Apostle Paul. It was written to the church at Colossae and the surrounding churches. One of the churches you might know of out of the book of Revelation was Laodicea um, that was pretty close by there in um, modern-day Turkey is where you find this in Asia Minor. It was one of Paul's prison's epistles. The prison epistles are my favorite, particularly Ephesians. That's my favorite book. Love the book of Philippians. And then Colossians, I would say, is my second favorite book because this book of the Bible is packed full of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, during that day, Rome ruled this part of the world Nero was the emperor. I like to give you a little bit of context here. This was written about four years before Paul would be beheaded by the, under the order of Nero. And I think that adds some weight to it. These, these prison epistles were some of his last letters to the church. He's chained to a Roman soldier. I always think about that. I think, man, 
Paul's getting revelation that is amazing, chained to a Roman soldier. What happened to that Roman soldier, right? Or the rotation of that that happened there. But anyway, uh, Colossae, it's important to understand something about this book. In the third and fourth century BC, before Christ, it was a main trade route. But at some point before this was written, that trade route changed and it went more through Laodicea. So it was an important city that became a forgotten city. And many would say that this was the most unimportant town that Paul wrote to. And so you've got a small church, it was planted out of Ephesus, and uh, Paul was kind of like a, he was more of a spiritual grandfather to this church. You don't get the sense that he ever actually met them, but in prison, he was given a word about some of their struggles, and so he wrote them a letter. And um, they were known in Colossae for their love for the saints. You can read about that, Colossians 1.4. They were also rooted, and they were being built up in faith. But there was this tremendous pressure with this church to move away from Christ. So Paul writes them this, this letter. And I want you to think about it. Um, I want you to look at this here. I've got a slide. Um, the Colossian heresy here. This is the, He wrote this book because they had what we call uh, theologically the Colossian heresy. And what was happening there is they had extremely strict rules. They had this severe form of, of self-body bodily discipline. You couldn't enjoy anything at all. They were worshiping angels. They had these Gnostic elements. I won't go into all that. That's a whole deal. Human philosophy and human tradition. So you think we have problems, guys. <laughs> you know, I love to look at the churches in the New Testament because what I realize is most of the letters that Paul wrote was because they were having struggles, they were having problems. Yet today we look for the perfect church. You'll never find it if that's what you're looking for. You'll, you'll never find the perfect church because we are imperfect. We are in process. God is making us perfect. We are positionally in heaven perfect, but this thing is being worked out in us and it is a lifetime thing that we're working out. I've been walking with God for a long time since I was a kid. I've been a pastor for 30 years. There are still things that I'm working out. There are sometimes you can ask my wife, I have a bad attitude. I mean, it's hard to believe. Ask Joaquin. Sometimes Joaquin, we got to have a conversation. Listen, it happens. It comes out in all of us. And here's the beauty. If we walk together, if we stay together, Jesus does something amazing in us. But we need to understand that, and I wanted to bring this to you because, look, this is like, man, we should, you would think, let's just shut that whole thing down. That's not what Paul did here. And so you've got a small church with major problems in a town that had been passed by, and one of the greatest, I want you to hear this, one of the greatest declarations, if not the greatest declaration, proclamation and revelation of Jesus Christ is given to them through this letter through Paul. And he corrects them by calling them higher into Jesus. He didn't correct them by slandering them. Right? He didn't correct them by running them down. I mean, he addressed the issue, but he called them higher 
into the call for which they had been called, into this kingdom call that is higher. You know, we are human, but we are not normal humans. We are spiritual beings that have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. We are supernatural. And so Paul often would call, you look in Corinthians, he called them away from being mere humans. He's like, you're acting like infants, you're acting like mere humans. And that's not who you are. So we've been called to not walk like mere humans. We've been called to walk like Jesus. And we're gonna look at that this morning. Can I get an amen? Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read this passage and then, um, then we're gonna break it down. How does that sound to you? All right, and I'm gonna read, I'm gonna start in verse 12 and I'm just gonna read it. It's, I'm not talking about that verse, but I want you to get some context here. So he says, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Joaquin was talking about that earlier. I was like, all right. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, verse 13, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Everybody say amen. amen. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities or all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head, the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on the earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in the, his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Mic drop. <laughs> we could go home without my commentary right now. But I wanna break it down a little bit, okay? All right. So, because I want you to catch, there's a lot in that, but I want you to catch some stuff because it will change your life. All right. And I want you to watch as we do this how this thing stair steps higher. Paul often did this. He would start here and he would just keep turning it on. He would turn it on, it would just go higher and higher and higher and you're gonna see the stair step here and I think it's really important to catch. So we see here that Jesus is, he, he is Lord, he is over all creation, the cosmos and it says here that you can read that, um, that he is the image of the invisible God and the image here, that word comes from the Greek word akon, where we get the word icon. And it's translated as a portrait, as a, a portrait. And so Jesus is the perfect portrait of the unseen God. He's, he's the visible representation of the Father. So we can see, if we see Jesus, we see the Father, amen? And so he's this portrait, he's, think of it, he's this visible drawn image 
that was brought to earth. He's the substance or he's the essence. So he, and, he, uh, he, and he bears this image um, as essentially the, the new Adam. He bears this image. He's fully human and fully God. There's never been anything like that. Fully human, fully God, Jesus. So he's this perfect portrait. It also says here that he's the firstborn over all creation. And what does that mean? That means, that was that mean he was created? No, we're gonna see that later. He was, he's always been. But the firstborn of creation, what that's speaking is, is that he sustains the highest rank. If you looked in Psalm 89, 27, you would see this word, the firstborn, that David was declared as the firstborn of the kings of the earth, yet he was the youngest. And that firstborn, when you see the firstborn in this passage, we're gonna see it a little bit later, it speaks to him having the highest rank. And so Jesus has the highest elevated rank of the firstborn over all creation. And then it goes on, we see that he actually created all things. It says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So for by him, all things were created. Where were they created? In heaven and in earth. This is Jesus we're talking about. Visible and invisible, rulers and authorities, we need to understand that he created all things. And they were all created through him and they were all created, and this is important to understand, for him. All that was created was created for Jesus. It was created for his, his good pleasure. He's also the sustainer of all creation. He sustains all things. I think this is important. He didn't just create it and then step back. He actually sustains it. It says in verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Can I say something about your life? If you're struggling this morning, it's going to hold together. That's a prophetic word for someone. Why is it gonna hold together? Because if you are in him, you, he is going to sustain you. He is going to hold you together. He's going to do what you can't do. You might be in a place of emotional distraught. You might be in a place where it feels like everything is falling apart around you. And I wanna say that it is God who sustains you. I've been in places in my life where I thought it is all going to fall apart. This thing is disintegrating. And you know what I found out in my life? That God is my sustainer. And he holds what? All things together. In him, all things are being held together. This planet is being held in orbit. Why? Because Jesus sustains it. The moment, if Jesus was gone, this whole thing would disintegrate. Amen? The cosmos itself, all the planets, all the galaxies, all the universes, they are all held together by who? Jesus. He holds all things together. So he's before all things, he preexisted, and now he holds all things together. This is, like, uh, this is like I'm wearing my, uh, my, my comfortable clothes and walking into a steakhouse and saying, give me a steak, right? A fancy restaurant. Because this is theological steak right here, <laughs> right? And you, you know, you can, I went to a, uh, not to, I don't wanna go too far here, but I went to a Michelin star three restaurant 
And Stacy and I are all dressed up. I noticed the really wealthy people, they just walked in in sweats, <laughs> right? They're just like, I don't care. I'm walking in sweats. Well, we got a Michelin three star this morning. Amen? All right, that's enough of that. Let's just don't, please don't. Tasty morsels, yeah. Amen. He's the head of the church. We would do good to remember that. All right? Takes a lot of pressure off. But we would all do good to remember who the head is. We probably, we might behave a little different <laughs> at times, right? Um, and he's the head, verse 18, of the body, the church. So this is just a little morsel here, but Colossians, um, it, it talks about the head. Ephesians talks about the body. And I think it's important to understand. So when you read the book of Ephesians, you're mainly seeing things about the body. Here you're seeing things about the head, which is Jesus. So he's the head of the church. What does that mean? All directives come from him. Why do we need to spend time in prayer? Because we need to get the directives of God, whether that's a service, like Joaquin's doing this morning, or whatever we're doing individually or as a church corporately, we're getting directives from God because how many know there's so many pressures to do so many things? And there's even a lot of great things we can do, but what are we supposed to do as a church? Amen. What are we supposed to do? What's, what's Bethel Austin supposed to do? We may not do what everyone else does. God has different gifts that he manifests through different churches. There's something in us to bring to Austin. What are we supposed to do? We're all one, but God is orchestrating different things in different places in different ways, and we are here for a purpose. So we, all these directives come from him. All right, let's keep going. Um, he's the beginning. This is cool to me. He, Jesus started the church. He planted it. He founded it. Um, he opened a new chapter in, in history. And it talks about, the, again here, you keep going. Um, he's the firstborn from the dead that kind of relates to this. He, he did something that no one had ever done, which is he raised himself. And so what's this talking about? He's the highest rank among, among those who have been come back from the dead. But the difference is Jesus actually raised himself from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead, right? So we know Jesus wasn't the first to ever come back from the dead. But he actually he raised himself, so he's the highest rank. He is the firstborn again, think highest rank. And so he did this. And so when he did, does this, he becomes this founder of the church, of this new humanity of people, this people who are new creations. So his resurrection instituted this new, this new this thing we call the church, this gathering of the saints, of the holy ones, these new creations. This is who we are. And Jesus is the one who started it all. So we need to understand he's the beginning of it. All right? And then it culminates in this. This is where I'm trying to go here. It says that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Everything culminates here. So here's what we've got. We've got the image of the invisible God. We've got the firstborn 
of all creation. We've got the creator of all creation, the sustainer of all creation. We've got the head of the church, and right here it culminates in that everything he might be preeminent. This is an amazing exaltation. Once you understand what preeminent means, it means to surpass. So that in everything, he surpasses everything. He surpasses all. We can't even fully comprehend who, and who he is without the revelation of the Holy Spirit because he surpasses everything. He surpasses all others. There is truly no one like him. There is no one like Jesus. There is none like him. There is no one to compare to Jesus. He surpasses all. He holds the place of preeminence over everything, over all the, all the cosmos, over, over, all the, over all the universe, over all this planet that we are on. on. He, he is preeminent over the church, over our lives. He surpasses everything. And I love this. When Paul in Ephesians wrote or prayed for the Ephesians that they would know the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. What was he saying there? That we would know the surpassing one. That we would know the one that surpasses all. That we would have a revelation that would put us in his wake. That we would follow behind the one that surpasses all and that we would know the one that surpasses all and we would know the surpassing greatness of his power towards who? Towards us. That we would know his power. That we would know his power this morning, know his power. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God wants you to know the surpassing greatness of his power. And I want to encourage you in something. Whether you see an immediate result, stay in his wake. Don't move away from his wake. Don't be pulled away from him. Don't be pulled away into despair because something doesn't happen the way you think it should and the time that you think it should. Just stay in his wake because I can tell you amazing things happen in his wake. If I could encourage us as a church in anything, let's stay in his wake. We don't have to try to do all the things. We just stay in his wake. It's one thing I love about Joaquin and Renee and their leadership. They keep us in the wake. There's nothing that they're going, okay, let's go. No, they're keeping us in the wake. I wanna encourage you, let's get in the wake together. Let's get in the wake of his presence together. All right, and then in verse 20. It says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. So let's talk about reconciliation. Reconciliation means, there's a lot of different meanings for that, but one of them is to bring back into harmony. I'm gonna read a couple. Settle differences, restore friendship. And... Uh, I've been thinking a lot about accounting lately. I deal with a lot of that in the business that Stacey and I has, and I'm helping uh, in, with some different things in the church and that, in finances. So my, my brain's been in accounting, and I thought, oh, this is so appropriate <laughs> right now, God. Um, because uh, in accounting, there's what we call reconciliation. 
right? And that's, that's really like the process of comparing two sets of records and making sure that they, they match up in, a, in accounting. And I'm sorry if you're an accountant, I butcher all this. But um, it, it's making sure that those records are in agreement. And I wanna say this, when God opened up the ledger of our life, when he looked down from heaven and saw the condition of man, there was nothing but debt. There was a debt of sin that we could not pay. And we had no credit. There was no credit. It doesn't matter if we were nice or we had done some nice things. In the heavenly realm, there was no credit. There was nothing but debt. And it was a debt that we can't even fathom. And it was a debt that there was actually no hope that we could ever pay. And I know we know this because we all know the debt that we had. And so as he looked at the ledger of our life, he saw that there was this debt. The father saw the debt. And what did he do? He sent his only begotten son, the one that we're talking about this morning. He sent Jesus to reconcile the debt. And I wanna say that unreconciled humans, if you wanna know what's happening in the world today, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. We were praying into the, Joaquin was praying into this stuff in this service, and that. That is a direct affront what is happening, happening to how God created man in his own image and it's actually being warped. And why, why is that? That's unreconciled human beings doing what they do and they're causing tremendous damage. And I would say this, the church needs to be a light in the earth following Jesus that the darkness would begin to flee. Amen? Amen? There's, there's no other hope to turn it. Listen, and lobbying stuff on social media, it's not gonna change it, but what will change it is if we engage like we did this morning in prayer. And we, we take the place as the holy ones, those that are of light, and we step into the darkness and we say, I'm bringing light here. I'm bringing, I'm bringing Jesus into this place, the, the creator, the sustainer of all creation. I'm bringing him into this place and this will line up with heaven. Amen. And so anyway, we had this debt and Jesus comes, the one who surpasses all things. And I think it's important to see the stair step here. Paul is building a case that Jesus is the only one that could be the reconciler. Because only God could bring what we needed, what had to happen in the earth for, for us to be reconciled. And so what did he do? He made our account to match his. He didn't line his account up with ours. He came and he actually paid the debt. He canceled it by paying it because it had to be paid. He couldn't just wipe it out. He had to give his own life he had to die on the cross that the debt would be canceled. 
would be paid for. So Jesus, the only one, the creator of the earth, the sustainer of all, the only one that could pay the price because the price was too high for anyone else to pay, Jesus pays it and he, so he wipes this debt out, but he doesn't stop there. He then proceeds to fill our account. We've been called, according to in Ephesians, we are co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? Everything that he has, we have. So not only did he wipe out the debt, he said, listen, my account is going to become your account. My, your account is going to match my account. Amen. Somebody give him praise, right? I mean, listen, give him praise. Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Wow. This happened, I want you to hear, you need, we all need to hear this this morning. This happened past tense. This is, this is something that has already happened if you've accepted Jesus. And if you haven't this morning, you can. You can have your debt wiped clean and you can be a co-heir with Christ. You can leave all the sin and all the destruction and all the pain behind and what you think is pleasure is actually not pleasure because it's only in him that you find true pleasure. It's only at his right hand. And God is inviting you, if you're here this morning, to lay your debt down at his feet and accept what he did at the cross and allow him to let, match your account with his. And you know, there's something in us that wants to try to earn that, but you can't. You could never earn it. We don't have enough to pay it. So you can't earn it. All you can do is surrender to it. And at the end of the service, there's gonna be a moment where all you have to do is respond and surrender your heart to him. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to try to become good enough to get there because you never will be. It's only in him that you can find life and salvation. And so, this is past tense. We need to be reminded in this room, this has already happened. Your account already matches his account. We now spend this life coming into a greater realization of what has already happened. Healing has already happened. Forgiveness has already happened. The supply of your need has actually already happened. The Holy Spirit is bringing us into a revelation that it's already happened and it is already ours and we can already walk in it right now today. Don't believe anything else. We don't, we don't beg God. There's nothing to beg him for. Our account already matches his. I mean, that is, a, to be a co-heir, a co-heir, we should spend a lot of time thinking about that and pondering and meditating. I am a co-heir. Well, what, if, what if there's something happening in my body or it's, it, doesn't it doesn't feel like it matches up? God's bringing me to a greater realization and my body will match up in Jesus' name. Amen.
It's, it's this revelation. I can tell you, I, I, I had a lower back issue that was like a birth defect, and I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I'm getting a greater realization of the healing that's coming in my upper back. I need that right now. But I tell you, when I was healed, I had a revelation of Jesus, and I was healed in a moment. I came into a greater revelation of him as the healer, and I, boom, that was it. All right. Can I just keep going? I actually have time. It's going faster than I thought. <laughs> so he's the reconciler. So he's reconciling. And listen, he's not just reconciling us. He's reconciling all things according to this. So all things are being reconciled. Now, some people have used that, that, well, that means every, everyone will be saved. You have to surrender to him, to this reconciliation, to receive it. But all things, so... So if you don't surrender to it, there are people that will not be reconciled in the sense of salvation. But we do know that all the earth, everything's gonna be reconciled. Everything's being brought back to him. Everything's gonna match him. But So we see that he's the reconciler. But I want you to just kind of catch this end here. Because Paul kind of does an interesting flip here. He does the reconciler, and then he talks about the need. And um, so we were created in the image of God, but we end up in this state of desperate need. And... You can see in this passage here, it says that you were, in verse 21, it says, and you who were once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. And so you see three things here. One, sin alienated us from God. So if you're sitting here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, you're alienated from God because of sin. It also says that, um, that we were hostile in mind. And all of us, I wanna say this, no one, if you do not know Jesus, no one here is to condemn you, we're here to invite you in. Okay, because this is the story of us all. I was alienated from God. I was hostile because of, I was alienated from God. My mind was actually hostile to God. If you wanna see what's happening in the earth right now, you can see that hostility towards God and who he is, and so hostile in mind. So sin not only corrupts externally, it actually cor corrupts from within. It corrupts your, mi your mind. And what happens when a mind, what happens when a human is alienated from God, is hostile in mind, they begin to express that in what? Evil deeds. You know, some of the great revivals that have happened in the earth one of the amazing things is millions of people being saved that then created a wake of actual things changing in society. We talk a lot about revival here and there's a reason. We know there's no other answer. <laughs> in our bag of tricks, I don't wanna call it tricks, but in our bag of abilities, that's all we got. Like, or whatever, we, you know, you're like, you talk about revival a lot at Bethel. Yes. <laughs> you talk about, why don't you talk about this? Because we know that we can talk about that, but that the, you're not gonna find the answer for that in the, in, the, in the thing itself. You're gonna find the answer in Jesus, and you're gonna find answer in revival. Amen? And so, uh, express an evil deed. So that three thing, alienated, hostile in mind, expressed out in 
evil deeds. But Jesus, what does he do? He brings a solution. And what does he do? He makes peace, verse 21, by the blood of his cross. And then it says in 22, he's now we, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. And so Jesus brings the solution to the problem in the cross by the blood of his cross. And why does he do it? Verse 22, in order, put out your hands, close your eyes. In order to present you, say me. Contemplate that a second. He does all of this, all of this. He becomes the reconciler. And to do that, he had to die on a cross. And why did he do it? To present you, holy or other and blameless and above reproach before him. This describes our legal status that he's given us. In one offering, it talks about in Hebrews, that he perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Oh yeah, we're working this out. Sometimes we don't behave up to the, I don't wanna call it a standard because that, I don't know, that doesn't really communicate it, but we don't behave up to this place, this high place of Jesus. Yet we have the power to, and our legal status is perfected, yet this is being worked out inside of us. But he did it to present us holy and blameless and above reproach. Did you know that you're holy and that you're blameless, and that you're above reproach, and the only reason is, is because of the blood of Jesus. The one who surpasses all. And so I wanna submit to you this morning, I love the song, Jesus is the center of it all, but I, wanna, I would like to submit to you that he's more than the center of it all, he is all. Jesus is all. And some of you in this room are living as though you still owe a debt. You're living as though, because you have some problems happening in your life, you're living as though your ledger has not been reconciled. You're living outside of what God has done for you. And he's not condemning you for that, but he's calling you closer. He's saying, come out of that place. Come out of that way of thinking. Some people live, I have family members that live because of past sins with deep regret. They live as though they still owe to debt and that creates a lot of problems because people do things out of that that create bigger problems. But the truth is, God has reconciled us. Why don't we stand? And there's some in this room, you still do owe a debt. 
You owe a debt. And it's a debt you can't pay. It's a debt you can't pay. I want you to hear that. You can't pay it. You can't be good enough. Jesus has already paid it. I wanna ask you this morning, if that's you, will you receive it? Will you receive what Jesus has done for you? Will you receive it? Will you allow your ledger to be reconciled to his? Will you allow that debt to be forgiven and allow him to pour in all his richness, the creator, the sustainer of the universe, the head of the church? Will you allow him to make your account look like his? Will you become a co-heir this morning? And I know you're, if that's you, you're, you're thinking, I don't, yes, but... I don't know what to do. Well, in a few moments, we're gonna have our prayer team come up here and I, just, I want you to come up and get prayer. And I also want anyone who you realize and you're not, your mind, your heart has, has been in a place where you're not living, you're not thinking like that debt's already been paid and the riches of heaven is being poured out in your life. So we're gonna open it up and we'll open it up for other needs as well. But I want to invite you to respond if that's you this morning. I don't know if we can get just a, Dave, you come on the keyboard. Thank you, Lord. We're just gonna take a moment, just a few minutes, and we're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to just speak to us right now. I wanna encourage you, don't, if God is working in you, don't leave because it's noon. We'll close the, we'll give you a, a, in a moment, a, a moment where you're dismissed, but don't leave this room if you need to connect with God because we're gonna be in here and you're gonna have an opportunity to come get prayer or if you just wanna come down to the front and just be with God, that's fine as well. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just put out our hands. Thank you, sustainer, creator, head of the church, reconciler. We thank you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we ask for a greater revelation to be poured out in our hearts as a church of the one who reconciles. God, I pray that as we go through this week, that our life would be different, that we would think different, that we would see different, that we would worship different because the revelation is burning in our heart of the one who reconciles all things and our accounts are full. I pray that all lies, I'm just gonna pray this for a moment, all lies would break off in Jesus' name. Every lie would break off in the name of Jesus, off of every mind that we are anything less than co-heirs. I pray it would break off in the name of Jesus. We are co-heirs. Just to begin to declare that with me right now. I am a co-heir. I am a co-heir. Just do it with me. I am a co-heir. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm a co-heir. I'm a co-heir. My account is full. Just say that with me. My account is full. Just repeat it with me. My account is full. I don't know. 
Do you believe it? My account is full. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I think we got to do it again. Can we like really do it? Right? It, you don't, well, I'm going to do it. Do it with me. But do it like, let's, let's let it, I, there is something to force a voice. Right? There's something to like letting it out. And so my account is full. My account is full. I am a co-heir. That felt good, right? That felt good. Our prayer team, if you guys would go ahead and come on up. If you want to respond to anything that was preached this morning, I want you to come up to receive prayer. If, if you don't know Jesus and you are ready this morning, life group leaders, if y'all come up too, if you're, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, just come up and say, I wanna know Jesus. And these guys are gonna pray with you. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, guys. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.